Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. My guest this week is a man who seems to have done something very few have managed in the tribal world of football, in spite of successfully managing one of the biggest clubs in the world, leading them to domestic and European success. He's transcended the petty rivalries of the sport to become a man universally liked and admired by both football and non-football fans. Perhaps he's the nation's favourite German even. He is, of course, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp. Now, I've met and interviewed him and talked about football before, but I knew he'd be a great guest for Midpoint because he is a thinker and he's someone with opinions about more than whether or not to play a front three. Rhiannon Lambert is our expert today and she is brilliant, a nutritionist who I was really keen to have on to talk about why fasting may or may not work and why we just can't stomach sugar when we get into the midlife. Today's episode is, of course, sponsored by Solgar with more than 300 products that bear the hallmark of the gold label Distributed in 60 countries across the globe, Solgar is trusted by millions of consumers worldwide. So head over to Solgar, www.solgar.co.uk, to shop their gold standard vitamin range, and you can get a 30% discount if you use the code Gabby Logan. Now, Liverpool are very strict with their timings. They said I could have 20 minutes with Jurgen, which I grabbed and managed to eke out a little bit longer. But apologies because Jurgen started banging the table quite animatedly when he was making points, and mindful of having so little time, I didn't have the heart to stop. Him, I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's banging actually. Jurgen, thank you so so much for agreeing to do this. Um, I think lovely Matt has explained to you this is not essentially a football podcast. You know, you know what we're about here. This is called midpoint. It's like the middle of your life, that period of your life where things start to kind of change. And it's always fascinated me that kind of ever increasing age gap between the player and the manager as your career progresses. You're getting older and older and getting better and better at your job and your players are, are still very young, the players you're working with. So how is that for you in terms of being relevant to them? So far, I never had a problem with it, to be honest. Um, we say in Germany, the dealing and, and being around or surrounded by young people keeps you young yourself. So um, it's actually really nothing changed. That's uh, the, the, the craziest thing in my life anyway, apart from the, the outside, what everybody can see um, of my body inside nothing changed since then yes some more experience yeah a bit more hopefully a few pieces of wisdom and stuff like this but i laugh about the same things i like the same things it's all the same and so that never changed and maybe that's because i'm constantly surrounded by younger people it, what happened now more and more often is that i'm the oldest man in the room which is really strange i started 20 years ago as the youngest coach in germany um, now i am very often the oldest man in the room which is really strange but yeah and it's an it's unusual isn't it in any career i think to have such a you know you've got 17 18 year olds that you've got to connect with on on a level obviously football is the primary language right but then there has to be other stuff around it understanding their cultural references and what they're doing in their lives is that something you find easy to keep a hold on yeah it's that it's easy because we have one main 
common thing, and that's football. So I'm not sure if I if I would be great to deal with 16, 17-year-old boys or girls now in this moment. Um, they are not interested in football because I don't understand why people could sit the whole day and, uh, in front of a PlayStation or Xbox or whatever. Um, my sons are older than my players. They are 35 and 33. That means um, I went through a lot of stages with them together, obviously, as a father, but they were quite low maintenance, let me say it like this. So I'm not sure I would be great with 16, 17 year old in normal life, but um, in, in football, it's really not a problem because the, um, we have this common interest and that makes it all easy. The law for the game makes it easy to work together. And obviously, um, I'm now 54. That's an age group where when I was a player, most of the manager, they started with late 30s, maybe early 40s, only their career. So as a coach, we, it took that long until they had came to a specific point. Now we have obviously in this era, we have very, very young, very successful coaches with um, Nagelsmann, Tedesco in Germany, some others um, in, in, in other countries. So that's, that's really, it's a good development, but that means then for them, it's a very, very long way to go career. until the end of the career. Imagine if Nagelsmann, yeah. if Nagelsmann um, is doing it as long as Roy Hodgson did, then he has a 40-year yeah. career. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, remember, do you remember when Sir Bobby Robson was managing Newcastle and he took them into the second stage of the Champions League and uh, he was 71 at that point, you know? And I remember that night doing that game thinking, how does he connect to these young players? You know, he has such respect. And, you know, from what you're saying there, it's because the primary language is football. But the technology, you kind of alluded to it there, that young people are dealing with now. Your players are dealing with stuff that your sons didn't even deal with. Is that something that kind of interferes in the relationship at all with the players? Yeah, but I'm, I'm much calmer than I was when I was younger. So as a person in, in, in dealing with these situations, so you, what, what life teaches you, over the years is that um, not really a lot of things it's, it's worth to make a fuss of what, what, the, what these boys are doing. So uh, when, when you're young, you're constantly concerned about discipline. You, you're you not 100% sure what you have to do, that they, that they really follow you, that they really respect you. I'm far over this point and um, where I'm worried about these kind of things. So it means I just can let them do as well. So was there a chance for me to that I would have allowed it that a player has a phone call in the on the way from the hotel to the game 10 years ago no chance now i'm listening to it actually when ali has a phone call with his two <laughs> kids and 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 it's, it's not only a phone call it's facetime and i and he speaks like a father speaks to a two-year-old baby and it's like okay it's pretty loud in the bus as well so you think okay that's fine so all that's what what i think the bigger distance comes between you and the players the more important is it that you still understand what they are doing and that you just relax about what they are doing. They, I don't want them to listen my music. I don't have even music, but I don't want that. I don't want them to, to do exactly what I thought was right when, when I was in their age group. I learn from them in these moments. I, I learn what is what is on work now, what is, what is hot now. And, and it's interesting. Part of it is we have still, I think, at least the same sense of humor. So this is like, <laughs> like I don't know, like a, a, a sports person yeah life was good to me humor so this kind of things we obviously we went all through we had all to do a couple of things but in the end it worked out for these boys much earlier than for me so yes we, we can laugh about the same things and um, again apart from the outside what you can see now obviously uh, nothing changed I, I'm very often really surprised about that 
Just go back to the 40-year-old you, though, who you wouldn't allow a phone call on the bus. Was that because you believed that was distracting them from being focused? And then you changed your opinion because you realised that made no difference? Or you just decided to become a more relaxed geezer? <laughs> it's a good question. I don't know. I was not a, I was not a conscious decision. I said, from now on, they are allowed to have a phone call in the bus. So what, mm. what, what, what football is, is a, well, football is a good teacher as well. It's like learning about different cultures. So mean, but I worked with players from pretty much all over the world together. And it's mm. really important when you lead a group that you understand what, where they are coming from. And of course, literally where they are coming from, but <clears throat> which cultural background they have. So what is normal for a Brazilian guy is absolutely not normal for a German guy. It never was. Never was. It's completely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. They, they they some of them dance whenever the first tone uh, they can hear the first tone. Um, that could barely happen to a German people person. So, but what is now right or wrong? <laughs> what is now right or wrong? Nothing. Both is okay. So you allow you allow that to all mix and meld. Oh, I I, I, I want to. I, I love that actually. I mm. love that. And when you when you're younger, um, you just you, you are not sure because you have to learn it yourself. What can it's like being a father, mother, whatever. What is possible? So. Yeah, different situation. But I think with the first kid, we are really, really concerned about everything. And with the second kid, we know already, ah, yeah, that's fine. So that's why probably mm-hmm. and the third kid. So is that's then, what you're in. Yeah. So you're in the second phase of parenting, almost like at a least. grandparent that kind of goes like, <laughs> at least. It's not a I'm going to hand you back. Yeah. At the end of a Saturday, I'm going to hand you back to your wives and girlfriends and I'm going to leave them to deal with you. And I've got Sunday away from you. Or, you know, metaphorically, because who plays on a Saturday? It's, uh, of course, I'm responsible for for some parts of them, of their life. But obviously they have, thank God, uh, another life as well. And there I, I give over happily to whoever yeah. is responsible then. A lot of people in this a- period of life, I spoke to a well-known pop singer last week and she's 54 and she's, and she's still out singing and she's still out Charlene Spiteri. She's still out Band Texas. You might've heard of them. And she, she said the thing she's most worried about, she doesn't care that you know, like, she doesn't turn heads in the street. She doesn't care. She's, her face has changed. She cares about being relevant to her audience. And I think with a, with a football manager, your relevance is results, right? That's how you kind of achieve the relevance. But styles of football, you know, there's this kind of, this is fashionable, this is fashionable, this is not. Does that concern you at all, that you kind of would lose relevance? Never thought about, about this um, like that. Um, it's, but I know that this can happen, of course. And I, how I explain mm-hmm. it in the moment, when you don't want to, when you think you're kind of where you want to be, then it's already you're already on, on the way back. Don't know. I cannot say better in English. The German saying would be easier. Um, so what I did now, obviously, I'm surrounded by brilliant coaches from a different generation. Not all of them, but some of them. And that's how I, I always um, developed like this, that I really listen to other people. And in this case now, and especially to stay in football on track, but football didn't change that much. Um, the football I like on my teams played over the last three years that developed with the quality of the players. So if I, I, I'm pretty sure if I would have had the quality of the players 20 years ago, we would have played similar football, <laughs> if I'm 100% honest. So it was just you have to adapt to what you, what you got. And, um, so keeping, keeping, keeping the coaching fresh, keeping uh, the kind of way the environment is fresh, that's something that you are aware of all the time, bringing in new people. Oh, yes, of course. And just enjoying and cherish life like it's it's yes on the weekend again we, we we probably at man united everybody felt like it's the most serious thing on the planet but it's not we have bigger problems out there and that's what we do during the week as often as we can we enjoy ourselves together being we, 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 sometimes we have to remind ourselves on that don't forget there's incredible good moment we have in the moment so please 
just acknowledge it and 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 cherish it and and celebrate it if necessary and possible so and that's what you really have to do that's all that's in life exactly the same like it is now in our work life here um mm -hmm. when you have good times come on then feel it tomorrow it could be different again yeah it will be different yeah. tomorrow life told us that a lot of times but we are not sure it will be worse but who knows so really celebrate life and 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 the things you do in the moment when you have the chance to do so and that keeps us in a good mood we understand our job it's our job obviously but football is a game and playing a game and feeding your family with that is an incredible thing to do so and it's like if i if i the boys would come they would train five hours a day if i just roll a ball and <laughs> just boop, come on you can now play football because if they love the game that much we don't do that and we cannot do that because we have to do different things but that's exactly how it is so that's of course for us then easier um so this i've just this example you just give me an example here of, the, of jürgen klopp the kind of philosopher the, the man who apparently attributed this quote to you um i've read this is what you said um my biggest skill in life is common sense i understand life so when did that, because this sounds like an evolution almost, the way you're talking now, when did that kind of realization that you had really good common sense, when did it kind of click for you? As a kid already. Yeah. Sitting on a table at home, I had two sisters, my mother sitting there, and they, they were talking about things, um, about the problems of other people. <laughs> yeah, when, when your own life, when living there, and when your own life is not perfect, then you think, oh, but, but, but their life is not good as well. So, and I was sitting there listening to it, and uh, it's all not relevant. So, and that was the first moment when I probably realized that the things that people talk about are not always the, the most important stuff. Um, and understanding life, understanding people is, um, I don't, that, but that was the first moment when I realized just I have my own thoughts about things. I was really young then. Um, but it was always like this. You can make a big fuss of everything, but you don't have to. We can decide how we take things. That's how it is. As long as we are healthy, and in, in this part of the world, at least, I would say, then you have a good chance to deal with all the things that you face over the day. And that's how I how I learned it. My life was not perfect. It was never without problems. Not one day, actually, if I'm 100 honest. Um, so, like, you have always something to do. You have always to overcome something. But that doesn't change the view on life. And um, that's why I know I have common sense. So have people always gravitated towards you to solve their problems in life then? Not always, but quite frequently, yes. And do you always feel that you can offer them something? If I cannot offer uh, any kind of advice, I still can listen. So that's not a problem then. And that sometimes how we both know helps as well <laughs> already. It's already so you're, a good, you're a good friend? Yes. Would you say? I, yeah. yeah, I want to be a good friend. Definitely, yeah. And that is a quality. Not everybody achieves that even on you know their deathbed. They don't get to that point, do they, in life, where they kind of know they have that sense of um, it's almost like a groundedness that you have that you go right. This is this is important. This is an important, and it's it leads me to kind of an area that um, I know I've got limited time with you, but you have such a kind of universally appreciated personality. People in this country really like you. It doesn't matter about football, the tribalism. And there's a book been written called Klopp Actually, where a woman pretends to be married to you. You've heard of this book and she and she basically, you solve all her problems, right? And, uh, and on a serious level, I'm sure your wife might say different, but uh, on a serious level, that is politician's material, right? That's, that, that, is, that is kind of like a really successful politician would die for that kind of level of, uh, you know, respect. And Obviously, people with common sense are not 
politicians. Need, needed, needed, <laughs> needed or used at least in this time. They should be though, right? They should be, but that's uh, that's a, who is the problem? The people we vote for, or the whole system, what gives us the opportunity to vote for these kind of people? I have to really have to say that the, the, at the last two elections, not the last two, but first with Donald Trump and, and Boris Johnson, that's really a bad sign for the whole world that something like this can happen because everybody knew beforehand that it will not work, mm-hmm. but we still let it happen as a society, and I cannot believe that. But one is now gone. Yeah, and the other one struggles still. So um, that's that's just how how it's it's, in, it's incredible. So I that's I, I how I said I don't have solution for everything, and I don't <laughs> can explain that exactly how yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you solve the modern political paradigm, for me, please? I've got three minutes not, left with you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Because, it's not because, a nice job as well. I have to say that's probably why not a lot of people fancy it. But it's because it's pretty intense. And when you have a few days holiday, then everybody says, "Yeah, well, you should solve that now." It's not an easy job to do, but that's why we have to find a system where we where we can give bring people in the position to sort all our problems or to help us with solving them the problems are the best possible people and not the most funny or the weirdest haircut or whatever you have to be you have the right people in that and not voting for them and then accepting for the specific amount of time just that they are there now and then you you look at it and think oh my god that's not funny anymore no of course it's not but how always that's another thing you can make a mistake but you have mm-hmm. to learn of it. And hopefully we learn. But that's the interesting thing about you, that you have, you're in a very, um, you know, football's so polarising, isn't it? Especially when you have a city like Liverpool with two football clubs, and yet you are able to have, kind of sit almost in this middle ground, you know, and, and say things like that and be very wise. Does that mean, do you think, that if somebody like you can attract an audience and people really enjoy what you say, that there is hope in politics, that there is room for somebody with your kind of measured kind of common sense to fill that void? I, I do, look. I don't see myself like the guy you've been described. Honestly, I, I what is now ten to one. Um, I was the the the, the morning four or five hours alone with myself and it was far away from being wise and stuff like this so it's not like that yeah that's, but that's but that's the uh, well, you, well something else you said is that um i'm a christian and i think success is about other people having success and sharing success which is also kind of a lot of modern managers don't exude that kind of philosophy do they there's one or two i can think of I, i'm I don't have a message for that and tell other people how they have to do it, but I found my way, mm. how I do it. And I feel mm. really well with that. If having success is only possible with using your elbows constantly, I'm not interested in success, I can tell you. I'm absolutely mm. not interested in success. So, um, and that's the thing, but I want to do well, of course. I have nothing else to do, so try to make your best of it. But how poor would it be if I sit there and now I feel great and all the rest of the people I meet all over the day, they don't feel good. So I don't understand mm. these kind of things, but that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. What, what can I, where can I know from? It's just how I understand it. So I'm not smart enough, honestly, for, for the different things you have to do in politics. I'm never... I have an opinion about a lot of things, but is my opinion always right? I don't think so. All these kind of things, you need the right people and for sure not somebody like me, which you like from television and has a slightly over average intelligence. Um, so that's, that, that's, you don't need people like that, but there are people out there, definitely. We just have to mm-hmm. give them a platform that they can show up without going leading us in that direction or that direction. We were in, this world was in all directions already. We made massive mistakes in the past. So then we learned, oh, by the way, 
it helps when we do it together because then we we, mm. we get all the, the better problems. and stronger. And all of a sudden we start splitting again, and it's like, oh my god! But because <laughs> we want to do better now than others, then we realize that that is not a solution because now why should the others give us now the same price and all these kind of things? Why do we let people like Farage and Johnson lead any kind of group of people in any direction? And the day after it happens, they disappear. And one of them comes back. So how can we forget that? It's like, where has it been? This is incredible. That's absolutely insane. And it's now, and now we sit here and think, yeah, it's not that bad. Oh, no. No, it's not. Yeah. I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm adding to your stress levels, and I don't want to do that. So the physical side, you've mentioned it a couple of times. You said on the outside, I'm getting older. We all are, right? So that part of aging, fitness in particular, is really interesting because obviously you are surrounded by these peak athletes, right? Every day you go into work and it's like there they all are with their immaculate kind of, you know, low fat bodies with incredible muscular kind of, you know, striation. And they've got every single nutritional advantage. So you can tap into that, right? Yeah, am I right? You're living, you're living your best fitness life. <laughs> no, I don't. I have a lot of problems. So my, the food, the food we, we get, we get here every day is is for high profile professionals. Means oh, carbs, blah, 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 you know, protein, stuff like this, whatever you need to recover quick or to get get the, the maximum power in your body. If you don't, but if you don't exercise enough. You just put weight on if you eat the same stuff, and that' what happens to me. Um, so, and um, portion control. <laughs> you know, different. I, I'm one of the, I'm one of these guys. If there's nothing in the fridge, I'm not hungry. But if the fridge is full, I eat everything. Eat so that's the problem. So, and now the the the, the, the thing is, um, yeah, I, I worked in footballs. For, I don't know for how long now. For a really long, long time. Yes, this generation of players are the fittest ever out there. Ever, yeah, yeah. So because now yeah. the right people look after the right things. When I was a player, so it was completely different. It sounds like it's like 50 years ago, but it's only 20, 20 something years ago. But um, So tell me what you do then, Jürgen. What do you do fitness-wise? I usually, I, I, I love play paddle tennis. That's probably sports you don't know well, but it's um, I, I love, love, love it. We have here two courts at, at, at Kirby. What is it? It's a mix of squash and tennis, if you want. It's, in, it's, a, it's right. You can play it outdoor, but it's still, you're still surrounded by walls. You can use the walls, stuff like this. Um, right. Maggie will send you the, the name of the sports and you want to <laughs> Google it on, on, on YouTube. Have a look best sports you ever played is it like real tennis do you know real tennis is it like that do you play tennis did you play yeah, tennis? tennis yeah then you make yeah. steps in pedal tennis like but you you what you don't like then probably when you don't play tennis for three four weeks then it's like the backhand is not that good anymore or something is wrong or the, or the service is not good and with pedal you make steps like hell and you can play incredible games and it's the best sport. so who plays it with you all coaches and we have a big big group who plays it the problem is the moment I have a golf arm, but without playing golf, so that's you can have a ten, you can have a tennis arm, you can have a golf arm. I have the golf arm version. I don't know where it's coming from, and so I'm not really able to play. That kills me. You have to play one handed. And what what about doing um, actual kind of gym work? Is that is the gym a no go area for you? Nah, really not. I don't know. Not in, here at the training house. A no go area. Yeah, I would not go there. That's a player's play. I, ne I never did that. But I have a gym at home, and I'm the typical guy from time to time. I'm as well. Think how can Pep Guardiola look like he's running from running to the training ground and running home again and never eats? 
So then Thomas Tuchel, obviously, has like, I, I, I have no idea. And he looked like me years ago when he was younger. He was a bit, Oh, really? So he didn't he always had, look he like He had him. nice here, yes, as well. Um, He's very lean, isn't he? Absolutely. So he found the way. And then me. Yeah, congratulations. So I don't think... I th- up and down, would... the, 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 the kid man gives me always everything you get in XX large and X large because he never knows which size I fit in in the moment. So that's the problem. Are you, do you, you're a fluctuator. You're a fluctuator. You've got to look after yourself in midlife, Jürgen. You've got to make sure. But you look like you're a healthy weight. You look good. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and yeah. you look great. So, but, um, yeah. Don't have to blow your cheeks out. Well, look, I know I'm... I am going to be um, I'm cut off, I'm sure, because our time has, has been limited. I just want to finish on one thing. On Sunday, when you beat Manchester United, you mentioned that your wife was watching and you hoped she enjoyed the result. In the which I just thought was, yes. Well, obviously, she normally watches on telly, but she was there. And I just thought that was so lovely. You mentioned her because, you know, midlife relationships are challenging for people at the best of times. Getting to the age that you are and, you know, you're married and you're in a stressful environment. So can we give a little kind of like a nod to Mrs. Klopp? And we can. And if I would her, have known you know. that, 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 that women in the 50s are as good as they are, as Ulla is, I would have started with that age group, to be honest. Yay! So it's there. <laughs> 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 but, she, but she came home and she had a little scar here and a little scar here because she was she in the stands. And when we scored a 4 0, the 4 0, then everybody bounced at each other. And she, had, she came home and she said, It's my first football injury I got. Well, I'm. I'm- thrilled that she is as, as wonderful now as she ever was. That is a great... I'm definitely going to use that as the quote to advertise this podcast. That is, that, that is the line. Jürgen, it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so, so much for your time. Best of luck with the rest of the season. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed Jürgen Klopp's contributions there. I think he is a really interesting man. Seems to think about things, doesn't he? He's got a real kind of consideration to what he talks about. And, of course, his comments about his wife, I think, will go down very well indeed with the midpoint audience. Because Jürgen was tight for time, what with him running a Premier League football club, my expert today, Rhiannon Lambert, is going to get a little bit longer than our usual experts. And I spoke to her on her own. She is a leading nutritionist, best-selling author, chart-topping podcast host. She's a mum as well and her new book the science of nutrition debunk the diet myths and learn how to eat well for health and happiness is currently doing very well indeed and i had loads i wanted to talk to her about so let's hear from rihanna Well, my expert today is Rhiannon Lambert, nutritionist. Rhiannon, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this whole area of food and its beneficial qualities. Hi, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm so passionate about my line of work. I know I'm extremely lucky to feel that way, but I do believe that nutrition is you know, essential for everybody. So I'm a registered nutritionist now. I run a nutrition clinic where I have a lot of nutritionists and dietitians that work in a variety of areas and we help people with their nutrition one-to-one. Okay, well, I want to focus today on sugar. A lot of midlifers find that sugar suddenly starts to be really obviously an enemy. You know, I think a lot of people when they're younger don't notice sugar as much, but suddenly in midlife, it, it becomes a problem. So why is that? I mean, sugar's a really complex subject. There's a lot of myths as well surrounding sugar, first of all. So if you take the molecule sugar by itself, 50% of sugar is fructose and 50% is glucose. So fructose is a fruit sugar, 
Glucose is a type of um, sugar we get from carbohydrates. Combine that, you've got the white refined sugar. So I want to be very clear to your listeners that we're talking about this white sugar rather than things that come naturally in our, in our foods. That's the kind of sugar I was, I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff we need to be limiting because our consumption is too high in the UK. Now, the reason it's a problem is because, first of all, it's so energy dense. So you have anything that contains sugar. You've got a lot of calories there. You've got a lot of quick energy. But I will also add that sugar isn't addictive, but it does light up reward centers in the brain. So the reason that we want so much of it all the time, it's got that feel good factor. There's also a lot of psychological beliefs and behaviors that we've created over the years around sugar. You know, if you think back to your childhood or think back to anything that makes you feel good, we've got this ingrained thing within us that we turn to sugar when we we need a pick me up. But when we're younger, that's okay in a way. I mean, to be honest, our metabolisms are faster. We have a higher muscle mass. We are able to process things very quickly. But the problem is when we have a lot of sugar, there's some research that suggests it can deplete other nutrients like magnesium within our bodies. But then the energy, the fructose component of the sugar just gets stored around our liver. So it's not good for a fatty liver, which is something you can't see. The reason Mm. it's so bad in in middle age in particular, if we're having excess amounts of sugar, is first of all, the weight gain. But equally, it tends to store around the organs. So the areas that we know put you at a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. So I don't want to demonize it because I think sugar has a place within our diets, but we do need to get a balance. Do you though? Because even my kids who I, you know, I'm lucky, I suppose, because I've maybe I've trained myself but I am not I don't have a sweet tooth right Mm. I'm not bothered about sweets I'm not bothered about sweet food even when I'm eating savory food if it's got sugar in it I don't like it you know if sauces have so I have these conversations with my kids all the time who are kind of not quite there on that spectrum of disliking sugar but even they say to me it would be banned if it was invented now because they know how addictive it is to them so so is there anything good about it Well, I think this is more of an emotional, psychological response. Nutritionally speaking, it doesn't offer much to us. That's the thing I will flag. It doesn't offer any benefits to include it within the diet. But then you've got to weigh up your psychological well-being. And that's something I do a lot in the clinic. Um, You've got to think, is it realistic for me to go cold turkey on something like this? Or will it cause binge eating? Will it cause a Mm. disordered relationship with food? And a lot of it stems down to education and individual preferences. And yes, if sometimes for people, if they do go cold turkey on things like sugary items, they suddenly don't require them anymore. But it can go the other way for many people, many of the clients I work with. So if you are going to get rid of it, slow Slow and steady steady. wins a race. Oh, always slow and steady. And finding out where it is, because it's hidden as well, isn't it, in so many foods? I mean, ketchup, um, tins of things, even like baked beans. Sugar is everywhere. You'd be so surprised when you read the back of the pack. And it comes in different names, things like maltodextrin that you'll read on the back of a pack, um, extra sweetening dextrose, uh, glucose syrup, all these types of complicated words essentially mean sugar. But motivate people Rhiannon if if they are looking to lose a bit of midlife weight it is an area that you could see dramatic improvement if you got rid of your sugars 100% it's such a simple area slowly reduce those extra sugary items you're having just replace them with a natural sugar like a piece of fruit rather than having chocolate and it's such an easy switch to do or if you're going halfway, dip some chocolate with a banana or something, and then that's halfway there. Because dark chocolate, like 80%, is supposed to be really good for midlife women, isn't it? What's the theory there? 
I love that you've brought this up because I've written about this in my new book, The Science of Nutrition, and flavonoids and antioxidant components that are found within cacao, so the original cocoa bean, are very beneficial for women. And there's some research to suggest that it can aid hot flushes. Now that's that's you know here and there it's the same yeah, not, with soy. not bars and bars of the stuff though <laughs> no. let's be <laughs> um let's be clear about that now this is kind of related to sugar because i know alcohol has a lot of sugar in it and i want to talk to you about why our hangovers or at least the effects of alcohol seem to be so much worse it was almost like at 40 years old it just i suddenly drinking white wine was almost giving me the hangover while i was drinking it uh, so is that to do with our processing of sugar or what, what is it why are we so and it's not i mean i'm not it's not just me i talk to people all the time and they talk about the kind of two-day hangover from a couple of glasses of wine or three drinks you know a big night <laughs> it's the sad reality i think that as we age as i said before sugar our bodies slow down and the liver metabolism is the area where we remove the toxins from the alcohol and we promote the bloodstream and what goes back in and what comes out. And essentially, when we break alcohol down, there's a component called acetaldehyde, and that's the kind of that's believed to be the chemical component of alcohol that creates the hangover. Now, because we've got such a slow metabolism as we age, and I know this sounds very depressing, it's just it's the fact of life, unfortunately, that we do need to start limiting alcohol because it will stay in your system for a lot longer. As you said, while you were drinking it, mm. you could feel mm. like <laughs> you could feel the effects, and that's because your body's not eliminating it fast enough anymore. You've also got depletion of cells and depletion of water mm -hmm. and then you'll feel more dehydrated so to cut a long story short um we just process it at a far slower pace i found myself i was at um a 50th birthday in france at the weekend fantastic but unavoidable you know the wine was 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 flowing we even you know went to a vineyard and and um by the, the first evening i was just drinking loads of water instead of the wine because i couldn't i just i, I couldn't even stomach it anymore and it that was quite depressing it's like, oh, the, yeah, well, it's the good old that you're aware of that, Gabby, because a lot of people are. knocking those white wines back. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it just it just doesn't go down in the same way. And and actually the, the water helped definitely because I didn't have a hangover at all the next day. So drinking lots of water did help. But gosh, it's boring, isn't it, Rianne, and getting older? Uh, you don't know because you're young <laughs> and fresh. Um, and the other thing, while well, I've got you here, that I really want to talk about, and we could spend a bit longer on this perhaps, is... The whole um, fasting theory, right? There are so many of them. You go from the kind of five twos to, uh, in the summer I was staying with um, Gregor Townsend, who's the Scotland rugby um, coach, head coach. And he's doing this thing where he's he doesn't eat anything till lunchtime and then he stops his meals at kind of eight o'clock and he doesn't eat again. So limiting your periods that you eat within. So I don't know what that one's called, but um, there's lots of different ways to fast. Let's talk about the science behind fasting and whether or not you think it is a good thing to adhere to. Oh, Gabby, big topic. Glad we brought it up and I'll try and bring it right down to fit into your time frame today. I think that first of all, fasting isn't for everyone. And I have to say that some people may really benefit from it and others won't. Now, the science behind it is generally time restricted eating. Essentially, what we're saying is that over a period of time, the gut may undergo regeneration that it doesn't have time to do normally. That's the theories. But these studies have been done on animals. We don't yet have enough human data because you can't apply a study done on rats or, you know, mice to, to humans. But what we do do, which makes 
common sense really is restrict our energy intake and at the moment the bare science comes down to it's an easy way for people without feeling they're on a diet or feeling restricted to reduce their overall energy intake so it's just calorie restriction really well it's exciting and there's a lot of theories on the rodent studies that people are investigating further at the moment but at the moment yeah it is it does come down to calories and there are some people out there that this may again trigger disordered eating to be restricting and not eating till lunch means they'll overeat at lunch and dinner but for others it may be really helpful they may actually feel better they their digestion may improve because if you think about it if you're one of those people that sits in front of the tv and that's your snacking time that's when you'll continue to i don't know dip into the crisps or the popcorn or whatever you've got at home late at night but because you're doing time restricted eating that means that you can't do that anymore and you've got a set time window so right so it's kind of giving yourself um it's almost policing yourself in a way that um, some people seem to find it a lot easier, don't they? I will say it's a diet in disguise again, um, mm. essentially, but it's a lifestyle. And there's often a lot of religious backgrounds to this as well. If you think about fasting in terms of religions and cultures, I mean, Ramadan's a good example. And, you know, th- these things have been around for centuries. It's just that we're now starting to understand potentially the mechanisms behind it. Is there a, an optimum time? Say I don't want to fast. Is there an optimum time that I should leave between my last meal and going to bed then? Yeah, I would say leave a three hour window if you can, just because your body's got a lot of digestion to do after you've had a meal. And if you've had a large, heavy meal, you know that saying, eat like a king for breakfast and a pauper at dinner. I mean, these are old age sayings that actually have a a ring of truth to them yeah more than a ring of truth yeah, yeah they, they, they make perfect sense they don't really they? do you need more energy as the day goes on you need less as you settle down but you want a good night's sleep and unfortunately digestion can also heat up the body and you might overheat in the evening and something for women especially um during midlife and going through menopause or perimenopause if you're eating too late in the evening that's not going to be helping either with your hormonal fluctuations you're already experiencing so it can really help just to bring dinner forward an hour uh, so say you eat at like six thirty, seven o'clock, which I often do with the kids um, if, if I'm not working in the evenings and you get to kind of like nine thirty, ten, you're watching the news or something. Um, I'm not, you know, not massive snacker, but there is that point where I just think, what do I need something, a little something before I go to sleep so I don't go to bed hungry. So, I mean, you know, this sounds dreadfully boring, a bowl of nuts or something or a handful of nuts. I mean, what would you, a banana? What's, what's your kind of pre- sleep what's a good pre-sleep snack that's not going to interfere with sleep and is actually maybe going to aid it even yeah exactly and there are snacks that contain the amino acid tryptophan and we know that this special amino acid can convert in the brain to serotonin which is our happy hormone and you find this protein as you said nuts things like almonds that contain protein yogurt a little bit of yogurt before bed i know a lot bit of, of people... pre-bed yogurt yeah that's uh, <laughs> exciting times <laughs> okay porridge bowls and mini bowls of oats and things with milk mixed up they're the best type of snacks and again bananas might be a good idea but for some people having fruit after just before they go to bed can aggravate their digestive system so yeah keep a keep a food diary see how you feel individually and then you get to notice the patterns of what suits your body remember everyone's unique yeah absolutely so um so if we're going back to this kind of idea that you don't have breakfast and you you eat see I can't do that I try it and 
because I usually exercise in the morning, I get so hungry. And that's where I will then just want something that's completely out of my normal taste kind of uh, selections, you know. So so what I found works for me in the last year or so, and I've been eating for breakfast, is um, a green vegetable and a bit of protein. So I might have smoked salmon and asparagus, or um, I might have a little turkey steak and some spinach. Um, and they, they really, really work, those kinds of, that combination. I'm not very good with cereals. They just seem to make me want to eat more throughout the morning. Do you know what I yes. mean? Well, <laughs> I have to say, I think cereals have a lot to answer for. I mean, manufacturers are changing the, the formulations of it now. Reformulation of lower sugar options are coming out because we're now aware of the science. Um, I think there was a big boom around, was it like the 50s or 60s, of things like cereals really came to fruition. But actually, I think more of us could do with going back to basics. And if you love cereal, make porridge. Like, then you don't have any of these added sugars within your cereals in the morning. And what you've said is so interesting that you need the fuel. And this is when intermittent fasting does not work for everybody. So your fast window may be that you're just having an earlier dinner and that tiny snack rather than eating a big meal later. I'm also personally a big fan of breakfast. Um, it, it works wonders for me, but I know a lot of my clients, it doesn't. So protein, as you were having in the morning, you're having protein, which is crucial for cellular building blocks. Well, I'm just trying to eat as many cruciferous vegetables as I can as well throughout the day. So if you start off with breakfast, having some cruciferous vegetables, then you're kind of You've already, yeah, you're on your way, aren't you? So um, obviously these are good for us women in midlife, the cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. So um, get them in. So the, the whole fasting thing, you're not, you're not anti, but it's, it doesn't work for everybody. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a case of, and it works for some people in terms of weight loss, doesn't it? It really does kind of. Um, yeah. And if you're working in in an office I think lifestyle and what your job is really dictates this as well I think if you're a shift worker it can be impossible um you know imagine working in a hospital fasting I wouldn't want my surgeon fasting personally <laughs> shaky hands but also you make a really good point about shifts you know whenever I've done really early starts early breakfast shows things like that it's really hard to eat well because you get up at three o'clock and naturally you're kind of wanting to eat something by five and then your body's all out of kilter, isn't it, for the rest of the day? That, and that's really, really tough, I think, working for a long period of time on, on shifts. And a lot of these, a lot of diet books, a lot of nutritional books assume that everybody's getting up at six thirty, seven o'clock, don't they? And having a regular day. And they don't have kids and yeah. they don't have a life and things. I mean, and often when you're a parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But we should say about men, because this podcast obviously is for men and women, is, and I know this with my, my husband's experiences, you know, their metabolism slows down too. And, well, it does. You know, and, <laughs> and they just can't eat the same kinds of portions that they previously did. So they also need to be looking at that. I mean, muscle mass declines massively for men and women. That is the one thing that we have um in um yeah in tandem there for both genders and that really does impact the amount of energy we can burn uh, to be real we just can't eat in the same way that we did um previously energy intake has to reduce ever so slightly the older the older we get and the cruel fact of it is as well like a lot of people at this kind of age late 40s have got teenagers who are eating mountains of the stuff and can't stop eating so you, you're dishing out dinner and it's so easy to forget that you don't need the same as a 16 year old boy who's six foot six and weighs 103 kilos i don't have the same portions as you and equally he goes back to me and says mom i'm starving yeah. um so yeah i think that's always uh it's always easier isn't it to kind of like add to your plate later I, and i hate wasting as well so i always feel like i, I don't know i was brought up to finish everything on the plate so make the portion smaller I that's guess. an interesting philosophy there as well bringing up to finish everything on the plate and I feel that that is very much within a certain generation as well you were told you know there's hungrier people elsewhere and you, you've got this ingrained belief that you have to and that can cause a lot of problems as well but 
I'll see it all with my son in the future, I'm sure. I'll you see will. Oh, gosh, you will. You definitely will. You'll never be able to keep your fridge stocked for long enough, honestly. No. It is. It's incredible. Um, well, you've been absolutely brilliant there, Rianne, and given us so many takeaways as well. And um, and basically, I don't think there's any solution to the whole alcohol thing, is there? It's not getting any better. Um, it's just a, it's just a case of moderation and lots of water, I think, if you want to enjoy a glass of wine. Uh, thank You see, I took that away. I didn't take any of the breakfast stuff. I didn't take any of the, <laughs> the fasting. Just the wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I'm joking. Uh, thank you so much. Good luck with the book. Tell us again the name. The Science of Nutrition out December the 30th. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Jürgen and to Matt at Liverpool who helped set that up. I think Jürgen might have given us the quote of the series, don't you? And to Rhiannon. And personally, I can't abandon breakfast, but I know it works for some. Uh, and if topping up your nutrition is of interest to you, then Solgar is definitely a good place to start. And here's something you might not know about our podcast sponsors. They've been working with the carbon neutral company since 2000, so over 20 years achieving full carbon neutral status in 2010. And Solgar has invested in a variety of projects, from the planting of native trees in long-term natural woodland to the installation of solar panels for communities around the world, again showing they are the gold standard in everything they do. Thank you, Solgar, and thank you to Jürgen, Rhiannon, and of course to Lauren Armstrong-Carter for producing, and to you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.